Baba Yahweh, this day, your truth, your knowledge, your wisdom, again, the opportunity to share, Father. Thank you, Father, for this blessing. Baba Yahweh, Saman. So, this is, um, this is a good thing. I love doing this thing. And um, I'm going to share with you something that one of my um, compatriots shared with me and, and uh, <clears throat> leader of the life group. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, but something that I've, I've shared with you before. <clears throat> Pardon me. And uh, likely will share yet again, <clears throat> as I told you before, I will be repetitious about things, and, and it's a good thing to be, especially with the Word of God. And when you go through the Bible and you practice staying in the Bible and going through, you will find new verses and chapters that you read and it's a new and fresh reading. And the Holy Spirit does that. And there's places I've gone back through here and I have highlighted. And it's almost as if I haven't read it before, but I have. It's highlighted, marked. <clears throat> but the Holy Spirit brings a new sensibility about it. <clears throat> Pardon me. Oh, the devil's really trying to play with me this morning. That's okay. I just rebuke that. But here's an important thing that, that we have to practice some of these things. And when, um, when Paul shares with us and it says practice to sh or study to show thyself approved or practice to show thyself approved, depending on a translation. But you have to keep in mind something is that <clears throat> it isn't just that we're trying to be approved and have somebody say Good job, there you go, attaboy. This is this is to show approval to yourself as well. Understand this, that there are so many things that we have practiced and, and done that take all that away. So we have to turn around and practice doing it all again. But understand <clears throat> that the Spirit of God and His love and His truth it's indwelling and it's deep and sometimes we have to reach in and, and pull it out to our hearts and there are those individuals that have just trampled on it and just it's as if it's non-existent but it's there that's why the offer for repentance is so important because it is possible that these individuals will come to what I've shared with you before is as a turning point <clears throat> or that place they come to and they turn around. They make a U-turn or they get off that path of destruction that they're on. They take a left turn and a right turn and they're heading out to God's highway <clears throat> and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And they're going in the right direction. And it takes repentance and it takes prayer and it takes not only on themselves, but we have to pray for them as well. This is why, despite all this egregious activity that I see going on with the governments and all these things that they go on, and they try to get you to 
stop everything you're doing and lean to them to support you. Well, let me share this with you about that. It doesn't happen. And it's virtually non-existent. I have, I am of the age of, uh, of having to rely on certain things to look for that have supposedly been promised and, and are there. And the reality is that they're not. And then when you try to question or you try to look for them, you either have people get very annoyed because you're asking for something that's been told is yours to have and to ask for, and they get annoyed because you do, or they just tell you it's not there. And here's the, the, the difference, is that when God tells you it's there, it's there. When he promises, he keeps it. I have seen too much, too often, and too many times that God has always been true to his word. And I will not turn from that. The devil tries to get me to, to turn away. One of his favorite things is to, if you slip up and you do something, and then he start, immediately starts getting into the head games. You mean to tell me that you intend to go back and talk to God? After what you just did, look what you've done. And I love that song that um, I believe I shared with you, the young contemporary Christian singer, uh, Tasha Layton, I believe is her name. And um, I am going that direction. Hold on. I am going that direction. I am going that direction. I am sorry. Um, but I like it because, yeah, here it is. Her name is Tasha Layton, and she sings this song, and it's actually beautiful because this is exactly what the devil loves to do. And at first, the verses are that, uh, and she co-wrote this with some other folks, by the way, um, what he likes to do as he's going to stand back and he's going to put himself up above you and, and he loves to have that position and look down on you because that's what he does. Looks down on you and he talks down to you. Look what you've done. How could you fall so far? You should be ashamed of yourself. And then what do you do? You start feeling ashamed of yourself and you believe the lies And you allow them to take root. And she sings about all this. I love this stuff. But then she turns around and she said, but standing in your presence, Lord, I feel you digging those roots up. I feel you healing my wounds up. All I can say is hallelujah. And that's a compound word from the Hebrew that means Praise the Lord or praise God, Yahweh. Remember, I shared that with you, that they broke the word down that God gave us permission to call him. And yet the pharisaical tyrants and those leaders and elders in the church, and of course, knew better than everybody else, said that you can't call God, God. Or basically, that's what they're saying. God says, okay, Moses, you can tell the people that they can call me Yahweh <clears throat> because that's what I am. I'm the maker of all things made. You tell them that's okay. I give you permission to do that. However, these <clears throat> religious tyrants, and that's just exactly what they were, 
and some are, but you can't do that. You can't, you can't do that. God told you you can, but you can't because that's too holy. And if you say the whole word together, then, then you're going to burn up. You're going to be a pile of ashes. <clears throat> well, that's not right because God said that we could call him that. <clears throat> I call him Yahweh all the time. Abba Yahweh, my heavenly father, maker of all things made. And he spoke his truth into me, spoke into the lies, and allowing my heart to believe that. So here's the, it's, it's really important that we get to understand that. And we have to be able to practice, and just like Paul declares in the scriptures and his letters, that we need to study to show ourselves approved. But approved of what? Approved of who? Man and mammon. And that God's going to say, okay, it's, that's good. Well, yeah, partially true. But also an approval of yourself that's saying, okay, I, I can do this. I can do this. It takes practice to do that. You have to get there. And we tend to feel flustered and frustrated and things happen within the course of our days and we get all agitated, but we cannot allow ourselves to, and this is, a, this is one that I need to practice on because even still after this time and, and even walking closer to God and seeking to walk closer with him and uh, getting into this further, this further schooling that I'm intending to do because I asked God to let me jump out of the boat on the seaward side. Now, you know, Peter jumped out on the, leeward side. He was going toward shore. I want to jump out on the seaward side, out there in the deep water. I want God to take me out deeper for what he intends to do. I don't care. It doesn't matter. He's my God. I just want him to take me and use me the way he can. But we can't allow ourselves to become upset, frazzled, and all sorts of agitated with all these things, we have to practice on doing that. And, and it does take some practice. And we always have all this stuff that's going on all around us all the time. And a lot of times we have, sadly, we have individuals that look for that to happen. They can't, they can't stand to have a few minutes of quiet and just sit down and not do anything at all. They can't do that. They think that... Uh, something's wrong. I got to find something to do. Or they think that somehow, uh, and there are, are those who declare themselves to be a Christian, um, that they can't take time to spend with God. They can't do that because that's not allowed. What do you mean that's not allowed? God tells us to do that. We need to seek that time. He tells us to practice doing that. But they think somehow it's uh, not permitted because there's too much to do in life and if we take that time off, that it detracts from that. Well, that's putting your time as priority over God's. I've shared with you already, God can bend time. I've seen him do it. He can and he does. So rather than becoming overwhelmed and getting all upset about that human aspect that we get caught up in is that we cannot do that. And we have to remind ourselves that God's with us. He's for us. He's in us. He's by us. He's holding us up through his spirit. 
and guiding and leading our steps and don't get frazzled about the, those things. And I have to, I have to pray and send out those bullet prayers and, and talk to God and, and I just ask for forgiveness for that because I, I, having been brought up the way I was and, and uh, military training and all those things, I, things I, I like to be a certain, and see, here's the thing. I like them to be a certain way. Well, they don't have to be a certain way. I prefer that they happen that way. And when they don't, it uh, is annoying. To who? To me. God doesn't care. The Holy Spirit doesn't care. And I'm going through there. And a lot of times I'm sitting there and my, <laughs> my dogs will turn their head sideways and doesn't bother them. But this is something that we have to practice doing. And even when we get out and about and moving around, there are individuals that get into that. So stop it. God is with us all the time. And here's the other thing that I really like, and I've been shown and told, and, and he is. He likes to do tinker stuff. Remember this. Don't forget. Our Lord is a people person. And sometimes when he would lead the disciples, which he did fairly often, I think, quite honestly, I think he just got tired of, we there yet? We there yet? How soon? How soon? How soon? Um, and he needed to get time alone and pray. But sometimes there were, there were times, and you can find a couple of them in the scripture, where he was gone for a couple days. But I don't think he was just out there and found himself a, some place to hide. I think he was out meeting folks. And remember that he was a craftsman. Our Lord is a craftsman. Came to this earth. And his earthly father was a craftsman. He knew how to do things with stones. He knew how to do things with wood. He knew how to do things and mend things. Fix things. Not only does he fix what was broken there. But he fixes heartbreaks. He fixes and mends our brokenness. But brothers and sisters, I share with you, he likes to tinker with electricity, he likes to tinker with carpentry, he likes to, he's a great motorcycle mechanic, all this stuff, and he will help you. He will, he does. He's shown me too many times where I've been getting rattle-frazzled and, and I hear him talk to me, and what I really like is when he calls me by my name. And he does have sometimes if he sees that I'm going too deep into something, he's... As soon as he calls my name, it's like, wow, my father. That's an intention getter when God's talking and showing you things. And then rather than saying my son, my daughter, he calls your name. He speaks your name. If you've not had that happen yet, and he does, it's definitely an attention getter. And he is our good, good father. I've had that done a couple times, and wow, it is definitely one to get your attention. But we have to remember that he's with us all the time. He's encouraging and supportive. He's a loving father. And God does not ever sit back with his hand on his hips and goes, ah, look what you did now. Now what have you done? Now what have you got? You'll never hear that from God. Never hear that from God. The only one where that comes from is the devil. 
Satan is the condemner, the blamer, the thief, the liar, the destroyer. And it's okay to slow down your pace. Take a leisurely stroll with God. Practice quieting your mind. Things might be topsy-turvy around you, but quiet, quiet your mind. And remember, what, is, what does Jesus say when the storms are up and the, and the disciples that were with him, his 12 are in the boat and they're all agitated and they're all upset and they're afraid? And what, does Jesus, what did Jesus do? He stands at the gunwale of the boat and he said, peace be still. The wind and the turmoil and all that tumultuous blowing and thunder it just stopped. The clouds blew away. Then, of course, you had some of the silly ones. But wow, what kind of guy is this that can get that done? That even the winds are still waiting. And they've already been seeing him do certain things. This is still early on in, in Jesus' walk with them, so I, I kind of get. But this is the only begotten Son of God. He is over all things. But remember that God and Jesus are too a mystery for us. And, and uh, Paul writes this in Colossians one twenty seven. We can see, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Remember I shared with you the other day about that hope. And Hebrews talks about that in Hebrews 11, faith. Faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So my hope is finishing up this race and going home. And I have faith in that. I have faith in my Lord, my God, and that which he promises to be true. And we have to share everything with everyone and not directing and being so ordinating, but we have to, and, and everything, but we have to share. Um, Jesus teaches in Matthew 28, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He reminds us that he is with us in every step and every, everywhere, and even when we cross. And we go home. He's at the door. He's at the door. And in John 20, 19, this is, uh, <laughs> it's kind of a, um, this is very definitive because this shows how the individuals were at the time when Jesus was uh, teaching and walking that the very ones that came that declared themselves to be so learned and so they had the letters and credentials of, of learning and higher education, and they were the ones declaring themselves to be so knowledgeable of the word of God, yet they wouldn't listen to the truth. On the evening of that day, of the, uh, the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, the very ones that they were 
trying to teach and share and, and Jesus came to be with and, and they were the ones complaining that he was hanging out with sinners and publicans and tax collectors and all sorts of manner of individuals. And he went and had dinner with them and all these things. Well, they complained about that. Well, that's all they seem to be able to do is complain about something. But they had the doors locked because they were afraid of the very ones that came and crucified Jesus Christ, that they were going to come for them. And basically, they'd let it be worded abroad that they were going to do that, that they were going to look for him. And he stood in the locked room with them, and he said, Peace be with you. But Jesus came to bring peace and his peace, not as we may know in the world. But here's some things that we can do to practice understanding that. And uh, I'm going to share with uh, Frank Laubach. Uh, remember, I shared with you, this is the first book that I have, my, my study book that uh, for my class. Practicing His Presence. And he's sharing some more with this. Uh, this was part of a journal writing that he had done and shared some things. And uh, in reading that, and I put together some notes and things that I want to share with you. And uh, I have shared with you in part, but I'm going to kind of be a little repetitious with this. But remember and know this, brothers and sisters, that this secret that I'm going to share with you is... Not really a big hush-hush secret. It's just something that people don't hear of very often and they don't practice doing very often. So it's like a big secret. It turns into something that it's really not. So stop it. Because it's unnecessary. It takes a little practice. But it's the secret of the saints and the saints of the ancient days of times gone past. And it's really, really not a secret at all, actually. That individuals that are of the know and they have shared it and you've got to do it and it's something that's readily known but many just don't. And there are steps to be taken that can be attained by any and all who choose. See, that's an important part right there. Choosing. God gave us a free will choice, and then you have you have the the naysayers and the doom and gloomers and all those individuals that will not they can't they can't fathom some of these things that are shared, and they won't go to certain scriptures because to them it's doom and gloom, and it tells them that there are things that they must do and accomplish and practice. Now, I'm going to share this with you, and I've shared it before is that once you declare 
that you want Jesus Christ to come into your life and change your life and the steps to have faith in God and follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit, these things are not automatic. God just doesn't put this little, it's almost like, what was that film? Um, well, actually, I saw a couple of them. Uh, the Boy in the Bubble, I think was the name of it. John Travolta played it a long time ago when he was very young. He had the disease and he couldn't get out in the world because he had to live inside of a plastic bubble. Well, God doesn't put you in a plastic bubble. He guides you, he keeps you, and the Holy Spirit will lead you and is protective of you. And you declare that, but he's not going to put you in a plastic bubble and make everything in life perfect. Because ever since the fall, this is a very broken place. You have to remember that God created us all with a free will choice. And Paul shares with us that we need to pray without ceasing. And then there are those, the naysayers and doom and gloomers, that say that that can't be done. Yes, it can. I practice it. I have practiced it. I used to do it when I was at work. And here's something, too. They make that declaration because it's much like children or other people that, that uh, openly declare a disdain for certain foods. And they haven't even tried it. They haven't. They haven't tasted it. They haven't. They haven't tried praying without ceasing. They haven't tried these things that Paul tells us to do. They just haven't tried it. They don't do it, and they have decided that it can't be done, and they're not going to do it. Well, that's unfortunate because it can be done. But they've already decided it's not even worth the attempt. And the declaration of praying without ceasing can't be done. And then, of course, they make out this huge list of excuses why it can't be done. And yet, none of them are true or accurate. And one of the favorite ones that I, I've heard are, oh, you you got you got to get over here and do this and you pray and you do no you don't they're they're talking about prayer postures they call those well yes there are certain times where you respectful for the Lord God Almighty the Maker of all things made the Creator of all things that yes there are times where you do a prayer posture and when when you're worshiping in church and you're and you're praising God and you your your hand up and I get on my knees sometimes. I put myself on my knees because I just feel that that's where I need to be. I used to pray driving down the street while I was working. That's what I used to do for a living. And I would pray to God, talk to God, and practice his presence while I was driving down the road. Practicing the presence. And, you know, I shared that, and that's my study book, uh, Frank Laubach and, and Brother Christopher, um, the Carmelite monk, who taught and shared about practicing God's presence. Well, here's the thing that I remember, too. I'm kind of jumping ahead in my notes a little bit here, but that's okay. I remember that my mother 
I can remember hearing her humming or singing when she was hanging out clothes. See, back in back when I was a child, we used to still have a thing called the clothesline. And this thing called sunshine, fresh air, and breeze was a good place to put your clothes. And when you brought your clothes in, they were they smelled really fresh. You didn't have to have any of this fancy stinky softener. And she used to iron her clothes. And I can remember some of these, some of it was was kind of a chore. What she used to do with my father's Frisco jeans, and this was a, a uniform pant that he used to wear when he was first starting out in the fire department. And there was this framework that you used to get. I never understood it, but I'd watch her do this. And she'd put this together and she'd make this frame in there and it would, would hold them out and keep the material from shrinking. But it put a crease in them. I never knew what that was for. And I can remember that she used to dye his uniform trousers. She had this big vat and she'd put the dye out in the backyard and she'd put the, uh, the black dye in there and she'd do this. But the, during the time that she was doing all of this, she was either whistling, humming, or outright singing a song to God. Practicing his presence in the midst of what she was doing. And sometimes I would see her just mouthing words. There was nothing coming out. And sometimes she, I'd see her just break into a grin or a smile. She was practicing the presence of God in the midst of her chores and what she was doing to help take care of the family. It is possible to do, and you can do it. You just got to practice it. And that's the thing that you have to understand. As a young man, I was a musician. You had to practice, you had to take lessons, you had to practice exercises. And when my music teacher would give these to me, I'd have to go home and practice. And there was a time that my, my parents were kind of keeping track of, of that practice they were doing because they were paying for my lessons. And in order to keep that going, I had to practice. And if I wasn't gonna practice, then they weren't gonna continue my lesson, but I wanted to keep going to the lesson. And then I had my practice time. You had, to, you had to practice to get good at what you're doing. When I was in the military, there were certain things that I had to practice in order to get good at it. And some people are really proficient in things and they sort of seems like that easier for them. But don't, don't be fooled by all of that because they still have to do things that they're able to acquire that. And it took them some time to get there and possibly did all that practice time before you came along in their lives. And it takes practice. And many, there are many that do believe that Things just happen once you become a believer and a follower of Jesus. That is indeed not so. You have to remember, we live in a broken 
plane of existence since the fall. And what I'm talking about is Adam and Eve taking the fruit, disobeying God, and succumbing to the temptation of lies of the devil. The fall. Many call it the fall of man. It's been called that. Some people just call it the fall. They reference to it as that. Some people just reference the temptation, but it's referenced by many as the fall. Since that time, everything has become a broken plane of existence and the choices that man or mammon has made have been away. And it's broken. And the choices have been made constantly that add to the brokenness of this plane of existence. But choosing to practice his presence, praying without ceasing, abiding with him and making time just for him, he'll keep you upright, bold, and encouraged. Brothers and sisters, it doesn't require that you go off and you sequester yourself away from everyone and everything, although there are times where you should make a practice of doing that. But it's not required. Just practice being with God. Practice talking with God. Practice spending time with God, taking time to be with him. Talking to him. And there have been some, and I've heard this shared before, that, that John, not John the Baptizer, of course, because we know that if you read the Bible and you study the Bible, that John the Baptizer was beheaded and killed. We're talking about John the Beloved, the disciple, apostle, John. That as he got older, he was seen wandering and muttering, seemingly to himself. And some that were close enough could hear him talking about the love of God and talking about God's love. And isn't it something that in this plane of existence, I, I saw this lesson by a teacher and it was really, really, really profound. Is pretty powerful. Actually, two different teachers. One was a professor of uh, criminal sciences, and the other was a mathematician. And the mathematician was writing down these uh, problems, these equations, and he did one purposely incorrect and then the students started laughing and they made fun and they poked and all that stuff and he turned around and then the thus begins the lesson and he did and he said well that's really great he said i did all correct except for one that i did incorrectly and i did it intentionally and what was the first thing you did? 
you didn't give me any laudation or you didn't say, wow, those were really good to the other ones. You didn't understand them. But the first thing you did is you picked out what I did wrong and then everybody jumped on the bandwagon and they were making fun of him. And he is a teacher. And you had one open his mouth and smart off. And then the other ones were all laughing and poking fun. They went along with it. But don't we do that same thing when we're walking through life? How quickly it is to jump on and ridicule and belittle and degrade someone. And the Bible tells us, be wary of entertaining strangers because you don't know that God has sent an angel. You don't know. It tells us to be cautious of that. So you see somebody like John walking down the street and he's talking to, and you don't see anyone with him. So the first thing that comes to mind is you start to make fun of and ridicule. You don't know what he's doing. You don't know who he's talking to because you can't see them. I've shared this with you before, brothers and sisters, that on this plane of existence that we walk in, there is a, secular, a secondary existence, and we are protected from that. Because I promise you this, if God allowed us to see it, as he's done a few times for individuals, and he's got a prophet that was able to see that regular, and actually his young student, he asked God to allow him to see that because the young man had become so afraid and saw the enemy, they had completely surrounded the city, city of Tibur, I think they were in, and they were surrounded by several armies. And then he told them to go out and look and tell them what he saw. And he went out on the balcony and looked out, and what he saw behind all the surrounding armies was another army, fast in number. The chariots were on fire, the horses were on fire, and those that rode upon the horses and the steeds and marched were on fire. They were the heavenly hosts that were at the rescue, but couldn't readily be seen unless God gave you the sight. And he allowed it. And that happens around us all the time, brothers and sisters, but we're protected from that because I've shared this with those that have listened before. It's a very frightening thing to see. And you think that some of these monster movies and things that Hollywood produces, Hippocratwood puts out, are scary? This is, you'd have no, you have no idea. And these conversations that you see them carrying on with no one that's visible. So... instead of making fun or belittling them, contemplate on what's being done. These individuals, and there are some that are out there and they're very troubled. I get that. I remember I've shared this with you before, is that Satan loves to attack the mind. It's the first place he goes into to attack us. And some of these individuals have things that, that none of us can see or they can't, maybe they can, we don't know. And who are we to judge them that they can't see it, that it's all, all just in their mind? Well, it could very well be there, but the mind is also a very powerful thing. God knows that. That's why we have the helmet of salvation to remind ourselves that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, and he came to this place for us. He came for me. He was thinking about me when he came here. 
God doesn't mind us making things personal in the Bible and the scripture. He does not mind that. I don't care what anybody tells you. God does not get upset if you say that's mine. That promise that Jesus made, that's mine. Him coming, die on the cross, he came for me. He was thinking about me. Each one of you out there can make it a personal relationship with him. You can make it that way. Put that in your head. You want to make sure that you share the scriptures correctly and righteously, but you can share that as also being a personal relationship that you have. And Paul tells us and reminds us, and uh, we find it actually in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17, that Paul tells us to pray without ceasing. And he actually has a, a list here that he goes through. Um, starting verse 15, actually, I'm going to start there. Oh, I'm going to start at verse 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly and comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak and be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing in everything. Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things and hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Now, I'm going to backtrack here for a minute here where it says, prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Remember John shares with us to prove the spirit, to try the spirit in all things that you get into. Pray the guidance of the Holy Spirit to show you the truth. And the Holy Spirit will prove it to be so. It will be, tell you that it is either upright or no, it's time to go. Further in verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all brethren with an holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. That was his first letter to the Thessalonians. And there are some individuals that claim to be Christian. They have, an, they have this, they get all this weird, goofy attitude if you kiss them on the cheek or something like that oh they can't and i hear i hear the little mutterings going and i'm going you know that's biblical right and they're like what i said yeah it's biblical we're to greet one another with a holy kiss you don't get all silly about it you just give them a kiss on the cheek or whatever i do that to everyone that i everyone that i meet in the church my elder my associate pastor 
I've done it with my pastor and other members. And there's a few that get all really weird about it. But the Bible says that we're supposed to create each other that way. You don't get silly about it. You don't get stupid about it. You have to do it respectfully and honorably. If you do it in righteousness, it's a good thing. God appreciates that. But there are some that get silly. There are some that get silly and they just like they say that you can't pray without ceasing. Oh, yes, you can. Very much so. Yes, you can. It can be done. Also, we see in Philippians. This is, this is an important passage. It talks about several things. And this is, uh, as in my study Bible, in the sidebar, um, it's highlighted rules for living. <laughs> Interesting. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. What that translates to is anxious. Anxiousness. Be careful. Don't care so much about things. There's some things that you care for, but not to the point that you're anxious and it disturbs your regular thought process that you get all wrapped up in it. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving at your requests be made and your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The helmet of salvation. And we need to do this in order to practice the presence of God. And we have to learn to do that. It takes practice. And we can practice prayer without ceasing. It can be done. Don't need to get off in a secret place, although a quiet time is good. So you can meditate on God. And, and here's the other thing. You get, I've, I've heard this mentioned by so-called Christians. And I use that term, that phrase, so-called, because you have um, the label heads and the self-proclaimed Christians. But yet everything that it talks about in the Bible, they have something negative to say about it. And they have some declaration that makes it not feasible for their life or that it shouldn't be done, or that's uh, mumbo jumbo. Well, wait a second. So you're telling me that your sovereignty is much higher than God's, who tells us that we should practice these things, and he gave it to us in the Bible as our guidebook, our roadmap, our road atlas, and our instruction book, that he gave this to us and tells us that we should do these things, but yet your sovereignty and your knowledge and your wisdom is much higher, and you say that that's mumbo-jumbo and you can't do it. Well, no, what you're saying is you won't do it. 
God tells us to meditate. When you meditate, you don't need those little, uh, and I've seen those before. They're a, it's an interesting little bowl, and they have this uh, certain wood, and they do it a certain way. They just kind of sort of rest it in their fingers and swirl this thing around, and it, it makes a tone. And then they they pray out these mantras, and uh, that's not what it's talking about. When you meditate on something, you can meditate on just being quiet and still, and uh, in the quietness. Now, meditation, yeah, you need to be in a quiet place, or you should, because you get a lot of stuff going on around you, and it gets you all rattled and agitated about things. But if you meditate, that's just the concentrated effort and thought process of thinking about God and the Word of God. But you'll have those individuals that say they can't do it and it can't be done and they're not going to do it because that's all mumbo-jumbo. Well, that's unfortunate. So when we practice, um, you don't have to be all secretive and set aside, although to more freely meditate on God, on him, and concentrate on the word, um, it's essential that we take that time and, and set aside and that we practice that. It, it is easier to do if you, uh, if you are set aside and you're quiet. So you can do it that way, or if you can't and you're at work, um, you can practice prayer or you can practice, you practice the presence of God while you're at work. I used to do it, I've shared this before, I believe. Now, some may remember, some may not, some may not have heard it before, but I shared with you that I was a, a commercial driver and I transported passengers. That was my job. And going down the road, I would pray with them practicing safety eyes were open but I was praying I was talking to God paying attention doing my job but I was in prayer and then I practiced God's presence I would hum or outright sing um, or I would whistle a tune and I've had people that would come and sometimes I'd see them come all the way from the back of the vehicle and they'd come all the way to go out the front door and stop before they left and said, are you a Christian? I said, well, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm a, I'm a student of the word of God. Yes, if, if that's what you want to call me, yes, that's what I am. I am a want to be like Jesus. I want to follow him. And I would explain what that meant. And they were accepting of that. And they said, you know, I heard you whistling. 
I heard that. I remember as a kid that that was from our church when I grew up. And my mom used to sing it all the time around the house when she was working around the house. So see, they're, they're in too with somebody that shared with me that their mom used to do that around the house. So it is possible to practice the presence of God in and through the course of the day. So we need to make that time to either spend with God, meditate on God, pray with God. And just like any habit, just like any other habit, repetition and practice, and it becomes easier to do when you practice that. Day starts in prayer, continues in prayer, ends in prayer. Just like I shared with you already, as a musician, I had to practice. In the military, certain things that I had to practice in order to be good at it. Believe it or not, in the branch of military I was in and some of the others, eh, I don't want to degrade it a little, but some didn't take it to the extreme. I was in the Marines and yeah, it was when you do polishing certain things, you had to do it a certain way so that you didn't get streaks or scratches. And it was, it took practice. But in order to be proficient and very good, It takes practice. It does indeed take practice. It's not just going to happen. Because this broken plane of existence we're in, it wants to keep us from that. And just like when they were hiding in the upper room, the Jews, the very ones, they were two Jews. But they had to run and hide because they not only crucified Jesus Christ, but now they're after... the the disciples because they were following him. Remember what happened to Peter when he was at the gate? And they went in and they were taking Jesus in and he denied Jesus three times. Jesus told him that he would and he said, oh no, 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 that'll never happen. But he did. Three times he denied Jesus. And it broke his heart and he ran outside the city walls and threw himself down on the ground weeping. The word of God tells us he did that. But the point to that is that he was forgiven. He was forgiven by the Lord but that those around were ready to condemn and jump on him. And just as it is to then, it is today that there are those and many of them that are ready to jump and pounce on you for believing that God is real, have believing that Jesus Christ came and was crucified and rose again, and you have faith in God and believe in the Holy Spirit. They are ready to condemn you, and some people even unto death. They are practicing that in some nations. And sadly, 
though you don't hear about it on the news here because it's something they don't want to talk about, but happening in this country, our nation itself. And you see a lot of these uh, athletes belittled, degraded, made fun of, alienated, ostracized. Why? Because they declare their faith in God. Because they believe that God exists. They believe that Jesus came, died and rose. There's scientists that are proving this. They have documented historical facts now where they're showing that these things took place that, that are talked about in the Bible. But there's a whole bunch of individuals that don't want to hear that. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers. Am I going out? Am I coming in? And understand what I tell you too. God does not become annoyed with you if you say, it's mine. Just have to remember to share. You're in my prayers going out and coming in. Be blessed.